Blog Talk Radio. Happy Friday, everybody, and Happy New Year. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is January the 3rd, 2020. 2020, here we are, brand new year, and we're off to the races. I thank you for joining me. If you're familiar with me and my program, you know that I'm a retired senior special agent with what used to be the Immigration and Naturalization Service. Uh, ever since the terror attacks of September 11, 2001, uh, nearly two decades ago, uh, I have been determined to provide my unique perspectives on immigration and how it impacts a host of issues, but particularly public safety and national security. Uh, would that the members of Congress, would that our local politicians uh, and state politicians uh, remember 9-11? and how we got into that mess. Uh, Well, I'm here to provide you with the information that I hope you can use to have intelligent discussions with your friends, neighbors, um, relatives, you name it. We need to have discourse in America, not the arguments, not the nasty vitriolic name-calling. This isn't a left-right issue. It's a right-wrong issue, And, and that's wherein lies the problem. These idiotic so-called reality programs have uh, become the norm. And news programs have, for the most part, become food fights. I I know I've I've done I don't know how many television interviews, and all too frequently they involve uh, two people having an argument where there should be no argument. We know that America's borders are our first and last line of defense. We also know, and if you don't believe it, read the 9-11 Commission report and the companion document, uh, 9-11 and terrorist travel, the staff report, the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. It was abundantly clear that immigration was the pivotal issue, not only for the terror attacks of 9-11, but for attacks that preceded 9-11 and the attacks that followed 9-11. And what is so incredible to me, uh, as we sit here tonight, uh, a day after the announcement that the head of the Iranian Quds forces, uh, an individual by the name of Qasim Soleimani, was killed by a pair of drone strikes launched by the U.S. military, that suddenly that focus on counterterrorism is on the front page. It's on the front page with politicians like New York's Mayor Bill de Blasio, the city, by the way, that got hammered the worst on 9-11, the city that not only um, wound up calling the uh, World Trade Center ground zero after it it imploded when the airplanes crashed into it on 9-11, but New York has been the central focus of a bunch of terrorists who felt that New York City was the place to strike. So if there was ever a city in the entire United States of America that would be fervently adhering to the findings and recommendations of the 9-11 Commission, you would imagine that it would be the city of New York. You would imagine. 
you would imagine that of all the states in the union, that New York State would be most adamant about uh, implementing the programs and taking the advice of the 9-11 Commission uh, report. I provided testimony to the 9-11 Commission. As an immigration agent, I've investigated and arrested terrorists. My first fraud investigation caused me to trip over a terror plot that was afoot in Israel. Uh, Working with the Israelis and the FBI, the Israelis stopped the attack about a week before it was to happen. It's just so clear that immigration is a critical issue, but you wouldn't know it to listen to the media. There's no discussion about anything anymore. It infuriates me, and it concerns me deeply. We're being placed at risk because we have idiots and, frankly, people of questionable morality besides intellect making some very bad decisions that leave people dead and leave us vulnerable to terrorists, transnational gangs, And immediately, the knee-jerk response from the media these days is that if you make those statements, they're going to say, my God, this guy is anti-immigrant. Nothing could be further from the truth. They would say, you have to be a right-wing nut to take my position. Nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, if you go back a couple of decades, it was the Democratic Party that was most concerned about the impact of foreign workers on the jobs and wages of Americans. That's the Democratic Party that I joined when I first began voting decades ago. The Democratic Party used to be the party that was most concerned about wages and jobs for Americans, and the Republican Party uh, tended to take into account the desires of business owners. And, you know, there's always a labor management division. But at the end of the day, we are all Americans, but you wouldn't know it today. The polls come out and they talk about black voters and white voters and Jewish voters and Catholic voters and on and on. The polls should, if we want to get into demographics, talk about the age of various people. People who are retired don't have the same concerns as people who are getting out of college and looking for that first job. People who live in cities don't have the same concerns as people uh, who live on the farm or live in rural areas. People with college degrees don't have the same concerns as people who barely got through high school. Different ways of earning a living, ways of earning a living, different um, standards of living, and so forth. Those are true demographics. That makes sense. That makes sense. In New York, mass transit is a very important issue. I don't think mass transit is a big deal if you get to the America's farmland. There's no subways running through the farms. But that's not the way that the polls divide things. That's not how the news is reported. We talk about Latino voters as though somehow they're different from all other Americans by virtue of their race. Well, if you believe that people are different because of their race, by definition, folks, you're a racist as well as an imbecile. I don't care what color your skin is or whether you worship or you don't worship or you're gay or straight. Everybody who's rational wants three basic things from our government. Keep us safe from our foreign enemies. Keep us safe from the criminals. Educate our children and create a decent standard of living for our citizens. That's it. The schools should educate the kids and prepare them for successful careers when they grow up, if they're willing to make the effort, study hard, and work hard. Today, however, the goal seems to be to flood America with as many foreign workers as possible, drive down wages. We wind up destroying the wages for middle-class workers. 
and the super wealthy become super wealthier, and the middle class is going the way of the dodo bird. But uh, the people making the campaign bribes, uh, did I say bribes? I meant to say campaign contributions are getting exactly what they want. Immigration is a delivery system. I've said it many times. I'm going to say it again. It delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor, foreign students, foreign tourists, and for lawyers out there, and there's lawyers on both sides of the aisle. It's not about getting the aliens out of the shadows because there's no money to look for those who don't come out of the shadows. It's about finding a justification so that the aliens will go into the waiting rooms of the law firms from coast to coast and border to border. And that brings us to where we are today. Uh, Last week on this program, I had just written an article for Front Page Magazine, frontpagemag.com. Also, if you're interested, I I am now working with Dennis Michael Lynch at DML News, and I do podcasts at least a couple of times a week, generally Tuesdays and Thursdays, 1030 to 11 East Coast time. They are video podcasts. It's a subscription service, so uh, check it out. I hope you like it and join. Uh, you know, the major news networks do have a, you know, subsidiary stations that are subscription services, but it's about getting the information you're not going to get from the mainstream media because they are out to lunch. Um, they have a different agenda. In 2004, MSNBC complained bitterly and posted on its website an NBC report criticizing the 9-11 Commission. Yep, they criticized the 9-11 Commission. Now, today they would criticize them perhaps for being xenophobic. God only knows. Back then the concern was that the reporters felt that the 9-11 Commission report did not go into enough detail and provide enough clarity about the dangers of identity theft and its nexus to terrorism. Could you imagine? Uh, After 9-11, I was averaging 15 to 20 television interviews every single month. And MSNBC was probably the station I was on the most frequently. They have fallen off the edge of the earth. I I could almost believe in the Flat Earth Society. Today, uh, it's all about open borders and how dare you be xenophobic, and the list goes on. It's no longer news. This is propaganda. It's straight out of Orwellian newspeak. This has nothing to do with political correctness. It's altering people's understanding of very important issues by altering the language. We think with words. When you change the words, you change thought processes and you change perceptions. And perception, of course, becomes reality. So God forbid you should use the word alien. By the way, which only means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. God forbid you should say, well, we've got to draw clear distinctions between lawful immigrants and illegal aliens. And when we don't draw that distinction, we do great harm to our tradition as a welcoming nation built by immigrants. My mother was an immigrant. She came here as a 13-year-old ahead of the Holocaust. My dad was born here. His parents came from Russia, Romania. Um, Many of the people I grew up with grew up around. My first wife, may she rest in peace, her family were immigrants. I am not anti-immigrant. I just want to make sure that we don't let people into the country who threaten our lives or ultimately threaten livelihoods and wages. That's what the immigration laws are about. Not a word of those laws today have anything to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. Last week, I was kind of torqued, if you listened to the program, because New York State, and by the way, I should have added New New Jersey, have enacted laws that, number one, provide illegal aliens with driver's licenses. Number two, block 
ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, and the Border Patrol from having access to motor vehicle records unless a written request, or actually not a request, but unless there's a court order signed by a federal judge, and then motor vehicles will try to react within three days when they get around to it. Uh, Any of you who've ever watched those cop shows, the first thing that a police officer does when he or she pulls over a vehicle is to run the license plate. Either they have the computer with them in their car or they call it in on the two-way radio. But the point is when you pull over a car, you are dropping a hook into a very deep ocean and you've caught something. The question is, what did you catch? So it's extremely important that that agent who's out there making the stop, whether it's a Border Patrol agent, and that's all they do all day. Besides chasing after people who are on foot, they go after vehicles. That's a routine part of Border Patrol work. As an ICE agent, uh, I did lots of car stops because we were dealing with drugs. We were dealing with criminal aliens. Most of them in urban situations are not on foot. They're in motor vehicles. Motor vehicles are now the key uh, weapon of choice for terrorists around the world. Since 9-11, I am not aware of a single airplane that was successfully used as part of a terror attack. I might be wrong, but I certainly don't recall any. But how many times have we heard about people using motor vehicles to mow people down to kill people or to transport a bomb to a location to set it off? If you go around the cities, whether it's New York, whether it's Washington, they have all these big concrete planters with plants growing in them. These are huge, solid concrete structures They have concrete uh, poles and all kinds of reinforcements. And what are they there for? To prevent car bombs and truck bombs and vehicles from driving up onto the sidewalk and getting close to a building and then detonating it. When you go to Washington, they have grates that pop up out of the ground. And if you try to go and that device comes up, it will shred your tires. We have the same thing near the federal building in lower Manhattan where uh, I used to have my office as a federal agent, as an immigration agent. So these are all expenses that were incurred in protecting against what? Motor vehicles that would be used as a weapon. Just stop and think about it. Every time you're out there downtown, wherever you live, look around and see all those fancy flower pots. Uh, This isn't about being green, folks. It's about being safe. So we're trying to prevent vehicles from being used as weapons But you have places like New York and New Jersey and California and elsewhere providing driver's licenses for illegal aliens. Now, don't think, oh, I live in Wyoming. Why should I care what those idiots in New York do? I'll tell you why you should care. Because anybody who gets a driver's license in New York can get on an airplane or just get into a vehicle and drive to Wyoming or Oklahoma or Wisconsin or name the state, Alabama and either use the vehicle they drove down in or go into a car rental place and rent a vehicle and use it as a weapon. You are no safer, folks, than I am. Because sometimes I read the comments, oh, well, those idiots in New York, boy, thank God I'm not in New York. Well, New York can come to you. And the idea that we have vehicles coming across the Canadian and Mexican borders by the thousands every single day, and you know what? If it has a New York or a New Jersey license plate, the inspector at the port of entry, when they punch in the license plate, come up with nothing. So that means 
that if it's a stolen vehicle, if the plates don't belong on that car, because maybe it was stolen, then it's going to be used as a weapon, so it's untraceable, which is a typical tactic. Guess what, folks? The inspector at the port of entry has absolutely zero way of knowing. Yes, they could ask for the license and registration. It's time-consuming. They don't have the time. Normally, they just want to punch in the number and move on. They can't do that. And, you know, my concern is this is going to spread to other states. This is a way of destroying any semblance of order in the already all-too-cursory inspections process conducted at ports of entry that are designed to keep drugs, contraband, illegal aliens, and criminals and terrorists out of the United States. I, I just want you to let the enormity of this betrayal sink in. What the governors of those states have done is to threaten your life and the lives of your children and your family and your friends. Motor vehicle records are vital. We're having a serious problem with anti-Semitism, and it's springing up when it all started with the, you know, this nonsense about white privilege and black lives matter. As an American, I believe that all lives matter and matter equally. This notion of white privilege is a divide-and-conquer strategy. It's about scapegoating the population by one segment against the other. It's the tactic of the Third Reich and the Nazi regime. Scapegoat people, and, and then God knows what follows. So in order to protect synagogues and other houses of worship, what are they doing in New York City? Getting more license plate readers. Now just stop and think about that. Stop and think. Let it sink in. More license plate readers so that the police can more readily figure out who's in that vehicle instantaneously so they can stop them if they pose a threat. We can't do that at the port of entry any longer because if the, if the computer from Customs and Border Protection is used to run a license plate and it's a New York tag or a New Jersey tag, it comes up zero, nothing, blank screen. They can't get access to anything, not even whether or not the license plate belongs on that car, not even if the guy behind the wheel is wanted for five homicides. It won't show up. Motor vehicle records, blocked, blocked. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? How do you think they can get away with this? Now, the president has ordered the acting head of the Department of Homeland Security to explore this issue and what could be done. I'll tell you what I'd like to see done. I'd like to see these governors arrested and prosecuted for undermining national security. Title VIII, United States Code, Section uh, 1324, says that aiding, abetting, transporting, harboring, shielding, inducing to enter the country illegally, remain here thereafter illegally, are felonies five-year felonies. Maybe the solution is for DHS to prosecute the people who work at motor vehicles who knowingly issue driver's licenses to illegal aliens. Yes, the state of New York now says that they have to, but as far as I'm concerned, that is an illegal law. I mean, what happens if the state of New York tells the motor vehicle people to give a bag of heroin to everybody who applies for a driver's license? Can they do that? I don't think so. This is serious stuff. This isn't a minor issue. This isn't tax law or, or some duty that has to be paid on something. It's remarkable to me, and I think the president was absolutely right in taking out Soleimani, given the threats that he poses. And by the way, the Quds forces are all over Latin America. And, and, and I've mentioned this before on this program and elsewhere. There's been a string of hearings where the witnesses have come in and said, you know, 
you have Hezbollah and the Quds forces, all these Iranian-controlled terrorist groups working in close coordination with human traffickers and drug smugglers to flood America with narcotics, which is a source of revenue for Hezbollah and the terrorist operations of, of Iran. And also, by moving people into the country, it's not only a source of revenue, but provides an opportunity uh, to bring sleeper agents into the United States. And a number of them have been arrested recently. Now, the disconnect is amazing because you have Miller who uh, here in New York City, who was the counterterrorism official with the NYPD, saying, we have a problem with sleeper agents. So you're going to give driver's licenses to people who can't prove who they are? And the argument that we're hearing is, okay, well, you know, uh, we're, we're going to check those documents. How do you check the documents? As an immigration agent, I had document training, but there were times the documents that we were given had to go to the forensics document lab in Washington for them to do an analysis on ink and paper. I assure you that New York State Motor Vehicles is not contacting the forensics document lab for the Department of Homeland Security. They want us to go away. Us, uh, you know, uh, once an agent, always an agent. I spent 30 years with the old INS, the predecessor to ICE. So we're talking about providing ID, which means credibility, mobility, potentially to terrorists. And now they're talking about New York City ramping up counterterrorism efforts, issuing long guns to more police officers, more surveillance on key locations. This is a Potemkin village. We have no idea who's here. Uh, we have no idea. When you look at those long lines of people waiting to get driver's licenses, how many of them are illegal aliens? And, of course, the argument that we're hearing is, well, they're going to drive anyway. They are driving anyway. Yes, but if you're an illegal alien, you can't rent a car if you have no driver's license. But if you have a driver's license and you have a credit card, you can go rent a car. Because Hertz or, or, or whoever isn't going to say to you, gee whiz, let me see your green card. They're going to look at your credit card. They're going to look at your driver's license. And they're going to uh, give you a car or, or a small truck, a U-Haul, or a Home Depot will, will uh, loan you one of their trucks for delivering sheetrock or whatever. So off you go with a behemoth that can be used to mow down people. We've seen it in Europe. And by the way, we even saw it on the West Side Highway just two years ago within a couple of blocks of what used to be Ground Zero. Now it's the New World Trade Center. So New York has had this happen here. This isn't conjecture. It's not us playing a game of, well, this could happen, it might happen, who knows. Folks, we know it's happened. It's happened in New York City. And so the, you have an imbecile, Andy Cuomo, little Andy, small brand, uh, I, I hate using that kind of language, but my rage uh, is just difficult to contain, referring to ICE agents as thugs. The work that ICE does and the work that the Border Patrol does is a follow-on to what the military does. The primary shared mission of all of our branches of the armed forces is to keep America's enemies as far from our shores as possible. I don't think anybody could argue with that. But up close and in person, that important task that about national security falls to the Border Patrol at ICE. Let me read something to you. This comes 
from that 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. In point of fact, this is how the preface of that report begins, and it largely parallels what I had provided to the 9-11 Commission when they asked me for my testimony. It starts out saying this. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they're unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe, for the reasons we discussed in the following pages, that it must be made one. Look at the tough time that President Trump has had in getting the money to construct a wall along the Mexican border. And people will say, well, there's a Canadian border. They can stow away in ships. They're coming in airplanes. Yes, that's right. And if you have a house and you want to prevent burglars from getting into your house, you don't just put a burglar alarm and a good lock on your front door. You put a good lock on your front door, you put locks on your windows, and you put burglar alarms around all of your windows. And if you have a skylight or if you have a hatch on the roof, or what, they all get locked. They all get burglar alarms. The back door gets a burglar alarm. And, and, and people generally change that um, uh, the, the PIN number on their electric garage door opener if the garage gives you access to the person's house. You know, in upstate New York and in Westchester, some very um, well-to-do neighborhoods, a number of years ago, there was a rash of break-ins, and the cars that were targeted were all high-end vehicles, Mercedes and Jaguar and Porsches and BMWs. Why? Well, guess what was stolen? They didn't do any vandalism. They didn't steal the car. All that the crooks took was the garage door opener the garage door opener. Why? So they could do surveillance at the house, and when it appears everybody left to go to work, they go push the button on the garage door opener, the garage door opens, and they're in the guy's house, and nobody walking by realizes there was a break-in. They were cleaning out some very exclusive houses once they got their hands on the garage door opener. So you do security in layers, and you realize that any method of entry needs to be protected. The Mexican border needs to be protected. The Canadian border needs to be protected. But the biggest thing that no politician seems to have the stomach to vote for, more ICE agents. We have 6,000 ICE agents, and if we're lucky, 2,500 are doing immigration work. When George W. Bush created DHS, I came to call the Department of Homeland Surrender. Why? Because he took immigration, split it in, in multiple agencies, and then blended it in with other agencies that had absolutely less than nothing to do with immigration. And for the most part, the people put in charge of those subdivisions had no immigration background or inclination. Customs and agriculture and you name it, anything but immigration. Why? Because George W., was fixated on securing the Iraqi border against insurgents and terrorists, sent Border Patrol agents to Iraq, and had Border Patrol agents in the United States prosecuted for doing their job. Specifically, if you remember their names, Ramos and Compion, I met their families. What a nightmare they created for those families and those agents for doing their job on the Mexican border. And there were other Border Patrol agents who got hammered for doing their job. For doing their job. Because both parties are into open borders 
And if you look at Ronald Reagan, he gave us the first amnesty. He gave us the wacky visa waiver program. And I know lots of conservatives don't like the visa lottery. I, I'm not even a conservative uh, on most issues, but I didn't think we needed the, the visa lottery, the diversity visa. Well, guess whose idea that was? It came out of the Reagan administration, and it was George Bush Sr. who signed the visa lottery into law. It's both parties that have done this to us. Please understand this isn't a left-right issue. When you speak to your friends and neighbors, you sit them down, you can tell them. We are under attack because of the greed of the Chamber of Commerce, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. I call it the U.S. Chamber of Horrors. You have all these religious organizations. They want more people to attend services. They want the money that they get for dealing with refugees, the non-government organizations, the NGOs pay quite a bit of money to take care of refugees coming in. This is all about money. This is all about money. We need a new position in the federal government that ought to be the, the official auctioneer, auctioning off our future and our safety. And this isn't anti-immigrant. We admit over a million lawful immigrants every year. A huge part of the U.S. population is foreign-born. It's not that I'm saying bar the, the, you know, bar the doors, don't let anybody in. But we're letting in so many people, we have no control who we're letting in. We're not able to screen them. We've naturalized terrorists less than a year before they carried out the attack. The law says that you're supposed to do a good moral character investigation on any alien who seeks U.S. citizenship. We're lucky if they run fingerprints. There is no ability to interview the 600 or 650,000, whatever the number is each year, people who apply for citizenship. You just have a couple of thousand employees. There is no way to interview them. It's all done on paper. Do you swear that you've never done this? You've never, you've never been arrested? You've never been involved with terrorists? Not... They say yes. They supply the money. They run the fingerprints. Boom, here's your citizenship. Here's your citizenship. That's how wacky this all is. And what's so incredible, and I've testified about this at hearings, is that when an alien gets citizenship, they can change their name. Well, that's fine. But their U.S. passport only reflects their new name, so they're allowed to put themselves into their own witness protection program. Why? Why? Make no mistake, we're hearing, oh, President Trump did this. They, they knocked out Soleimani, so now there's a threat of terrorism. Folks, there's been a threat of terrorism in the United States for decades. But this isn't new. This is not new. Anybody who thinks this is a new threat is crazy, asleep at the switch. Yes, Iran said that they're going to get even. I don't doubt they will. But remember, they have implanted in our country hundreds of sleeper cells. There's been hearing after hearing after hearing. The discussion about sleeper agents goes back to when I did my first hearings right after 9-11. I've been before 17 hearings in the House and Senate since then. I doubt they'll be inviting me back anytime soon because the tides have changed. The members of Congress who said to me in private meetings, oh, my God, immigration, this is a threat. Within two or three years after 9-11, I'm, I'm, I was at a hearing, and one of those members of Congress, when I talked about the nexus between immigration failures and terrorism, said, Mr. Cutler, there is no nexus. Immigration has absolutely nothing to do with terrorism, and terrorism has absolutely nothing to do with immigration. I almost fell out of my chair. I just read that statement to you, but I, I want you to, to, to hear something else. Um, okay. This again from that report. 
The World Trade Center bombing. This is from that 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. February 1993, three terrorists who were involved with the first World Trade Center bombing reportedly traveled on Saudi passports containing an indicator of possible terrorist affiliation. Three of the 9-11 hijackers also had passports containing the same possible indicator of terrorist affiliation. In addition, Ramzi Youssef, the mastermind of the attack, and Ahmed Ajaj, who was able to direct aspects of the attack despite being in prison for using an altered passport, traveled under aliases using fraudulent documents. The two of them were found to possess five passports as well as numerous documents supporting their aliases. A Saudi passport showing signs of alteration, an Iraqi passport bought from a Pakistani official, a photo-substituted Swedish passport, a photo-substituted British passport, a Jordanian passport, identification cards, bank records, educational records, and medical records. And Governor Cuomo said, oh, our motor vehicle people, we've trained them. They could figure out if these are real documents. Do you want to bet your life or the lives of your family? that that person sitting at motor vehicles who has a line out the door and has to move the people quickly is going to sit there with the jeweler's loop to their eyes staring at a document? Do you think they have the training? Do you really? Don't hold your breath. Don't bet your life on it. This is the madness. And then there's this statement from that same report. Once terrorists had entered the United States, the next challenge was to find a way to remain here. Their primary method was immigration fraud. How do you uncover immigration fraud? You hire immigration agents. You can't do this by computer, folks. But we don't have the agents. We don't have the agents. And it goes on and says that, for example, Yusuf and Ajaj concocted bogus political asylum stories when they arrived in the United States. Mahmoud Abu Alima, involved in both the World Trade Center and landmark plots, received temporary residence under the seasonal agriculture worker program after falsely claiming that he picked beans in Florida. Well, I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. The House of Representatives zipped through a bill that could give over a million supposed farm workers lawful status and a path to citizenship. Who's going to interview a million people? Who's going to interview a million people? We have forgotten the lessons of 9-11. But today everyone's running around looking like, uh, like the Keystone Cops. So we've got cops running around with long guns. But the guy that's going to do a terrorist attack isn't going to call any attention to themselves until it's too late. Until it's too late. And if they're so determined that they're willing to give their lives, we are in such a dangerous position, and we did this to ourselves. We did this to ourselves because we have imbeciles and crooks in elected office positions. How in the world do you ignore the 9-11 Commission report, and now you jump up and say, oh, we're going to protect you? With what? With what? It's just so astonishing. And others of those involved came to the United States and violated the terms of their admission, so they were here illegally. But yet they were able to get driver's licenses. In fact, that's how they got the truck that they used to set off the bomb in the World Trade Center in '93. And here's how the report explains that. They said this. Mahmoud Salome, who rented the truck used in the bombing, that's the 93 bombing at the World Trade Center, overstayed his tourist visa. He then applied for permanent residence <clears throat> under the Agriculture Worker Program, but was rejected. Yad 
Mahmoud Ismail, who drove the van containing the bomb, took English language classes at Wichita State University in Kansas on a student visa, and after he dropped out, he remained in the United States after, out of status. And while he was out of status, he was able to rent the, to drive the truck into the garage of the World Trade Center, set off a bomb that killed six, injured over a thousand. Their goal, ladies and gentlemen, is when they were interrogated, they said, yeah, we were hoping to kill 250,000, 250,000 people. <clears throat> and engineers who worked on the blast said that if they hadn't run out of money and filled the, the truck to the top with explosives, or if they had parked it on the opposite wall, they might well have taken down the tower sideways. The seawall keeping out the Hudson River would have collapsed. It would have been breached. Lower Manhattan would have been underwater. And the buildings would have collided with other buildings like falling dominoes. I got to tell you, it's not unreasonable or unrealistic to think they could have killed 250 thousand people because we had illegal aliens with access to rented trucks and able to drive them legally insane so now the state of new york the state that was hammered the worst on 9-11 is not only giving driver's licenses to illegal aliens a practice that stopped after 9-11 universally around the country but they are blocking immigration law enforcement from access to motor vehicle records and these trucks can come to your town, wherever it is you live. What are we doing? What are we doing? At some point, at some point, this has to stop. I mean, do, do we need to wake up to a catastrophe of, of thousands of dead bodies, and then everyone will run around and pound the podium like they did after 9-11 and scream, why didn't they connect the dots? Why didn't they connect the dots? I did my very first congressional hearing on May 20th, 1997. The hearing was about visa fraud and immigration benefit fraud because of two attacks carried out by foreign terrorists in the United States in 93, the bombing at the Trade Center in 93 that I was just discussing with you. And the month earlier, a Pakistani by the name of McKenzie who shot up the CIA, killed two CIA officers, wounded three others, and fled the country. And that's the thing that criminals and terrorists can do when they're in a foreign country. They get out of Dodge, and they escape the long arm of the law. Look what this character did, the former CEO of Nissan. He did a number on them. He was indicted in Japan, and he managed to escape, and he went back to his native Lebanon. And guess what? There is no extradition treaty between Japan and Lebanon. This guy's going nowhere. This guy's got – they will get him the 12th of never. He is home free, and he probably took his ill-gotten money with him, alleged ill-gotten money. That's what bad guys do. When you let someone into the country, they have an escape that you don't have. They go back to their home country. Understand the level of risk that we are incurring, even as this genius of a mayor is running around in circles saying, we're, we're going to have the cops out there with long guns. We're going to keep you safe. We don't know who's here. We don't know their identities. We've given them driver's licenses. We've given them access to motor vehicles. And, and the crazy thing is, even if you're not concerned about terrorism, and if you're not, make sure you still have a pulse. For all the talk about greenhouse gases, yes, there are illegal aliens who drive. There was a case of an illegal alien, and I mentioned it, I think, last week. It turns out that he is an illegal alien because ICE arrested him. They allowed this guy out on, uh, without bail. Without bail. 
he, he said that he knows he hit somebody, but because he didn't have a license, he didn't stop. This is in upstate New York. He didn't stop. So you think he may have demonstrated risk of flight? I think so. I think so. He was afraid he ran. Now he's looking at jail time because he left the scene of a fatal accident. He killed somebody. And God only knows, maybe this woman would have lived if he had stopped and called 911. No one has said whether or not she was dead at the moment of impact. I don't know how fast he was going. Or maybe she was just badly injured, and if they got her help quickly enough, maybe her life could have been saved. But he took off because he was scared. Well, I'm sure he's even more scared now because now he's looking at jail time. So they let him out, but ICE picked him up. Not so fast. We got you. But here's the thing. There are illegal aliens who won't drive a car because they don't want to have an encounter with the cops and have to worry. Oh, my God, if I get stopped without a license like that guy, I'm going to run. They just don't do it. They'll take the bus. They'll, they'll go in the car with somebody else. They don't want to take the risk of driving a car and getting arrested by the police. That makes sense. When you give them licenses, now they don't have to worry about that, so they can drive. And, it's, and, th- and this is happening in the cities where the politicians are running around screaming about global warming and climate change and all this other nonsense. So think about that. You have people being put on the road with vehicles, at a time when these same politicians are talking about no more airliners and you have Mayor de Blasio, genius, we're going to take down all the buildings made of glass and steel because they're not energy efficient. I mean, how much energy would that take to take down all the buildings and who's going to pay for it? It doesn't much matter. It doesn't much matter. Just like the genius, they call her AOC. I call her Alexandria, the barmaid. No more airplanes. Too many greenhouse gases. But they all favor giving illegal aliens driver's licenses by the millions. So we're going to put millions of people on the road who aren't there now, more vehicles spewing more greenhouse gases. And by the way, put more vehicles on the road, you get more congestion. Well, what does that mean? The cars that are on the road plus their cars are going nowhere but spewing greenhouse gases because of congestion on the highway which adds to the pollution, which adds to the emissions. You would think that even if they didn't understand, because they're not smart enough, and I think many of them really aren't smart enough, uh, you know, they they, they flunk the, the wiggle test. If you don't know what the wiggle test is, you stick your left finger in your left ear, you stick your right finger in your right ear, you wiggle your fingertips. If they touch, you flunk. I'm sure half these people would flunk the wiggle test. But if they don't understand the nexus between vehicles and terrorism and licenses and terrorism, and they haven't the ability to read the 9-11 Commission report, maybe the words are too complicated for them. If they're really concerned about the environment, why would you want to put millions of more drivers and cars on the already congested highways? The level of hypocrisy, the level of stupidity, the level of corruption is incomprehensible. And that's why I really believe that if you sit down with your neighbors over a cup of coffee, no screaming, no yelling, no nastiness, and just raise these questions. If you're concerned about climate change, why would you want now of all times to put more people on the road who shouldn't even be here? Why would you do that? Why would you want these people taking jobs when there's not enough jobs for Americans and we're suppressing the wages of Americans and lawful immigrants? You see? These aren't difficult questions to consider, and there are no rational answers. 
There are no rational answers. We're being told that there's an enhanced threat of terrorism. You would think that if you're concerned about that, you break out the 9-11 Commission report and say, okay, what do we have to do? 9-11 Commission report was very clear about this, weren't they? And here's another one, exploring the link, again, from that report, exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. Again, there's no next integration in terrorism. Well, what were they writing about in the 9-11 Commission report, folks? This is the staff. These are the attorneys and federal agents who work with the commission. This report was published by the United States Government Printing Office. This isn't some supermarket tabloid. This was printed by the federal government, and the people who wrote it were the federal agents from the FBI, ATF, immigration, other agencies, and the lawyers who worked with the 9-11 Commission. They said, you know, we need to put more emphasis on immigration, so they wrote this report. So I was told there's no nexus, repeatedly during a hearing. No, Mr. Cutler, stop, stop, stop. You can't do that. You can't say it. There's no nexus. Don't say it. I can say any damn thing I want. So here we go. Exploring the link between human smugglers and terrorists. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. For the record, Hezbollah is a client of Iran. Started in Lebanon, but it's funded and directed by Iran. And they're operating throughout Latin America. We're going to get to that in a moment. And then it goes on and says this. Indeed, there is evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors, what was I just telling you, and corrupt government officials, uh uh-oh, human smugglers clearly have the, quote, credentials necessary to aid terrorist travel okay so understand the problem understand the problem then we get to uh, it'll just take me a moment to to reach this on my ipad just bear with me but you know i i think this is just so crystal clear this should be there is no ambiguity here folks uh, here's another one um Judicial Watch published this report October 18, 2018. 100 ISIS terrorists caught in Guatemala as Central American caravan heads to the United States. And the report began with this sentence. In a startling revelation, Guatemala's president announced in the country's largest newspaper that nearly 100 ISIS terrorists have been apprehended in the impoverished Central American nation of Guatemala. Okay? So we know that terrorists are moving in. We know that we've got a problem with a lack of, of, of integrity to the immigration process. And then, oh, here we are. On April 17, 2018, the House Counterterrorism and Intelligence Subcommittee conducted a hearing into the state sponsors of terrorism and examination of Iran's global terrorism network specifically iran and this was april 17 2018 about a year and a half ago roughly included in the testimony and and i i I did this in an article that i wrote i may have to repost this but 
One of the expert witnesses was a gentleman by the name of Dr. Emmanuel Orlenge. He's a member of the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. And usually when you're at a hearing, and I've done a bunch of them, other witnesses may disagree with you. Both parties get to call witnesses, the party in power, um, whether it's Democrat, Republican, what they call the majority versus minority. The majority party is the party that controls the House or controls the Senate. They have the majority seats. So they get most of the witnesses. They get to call the hearings. But the, the minority party also gets to provide a witness. Nobody disagreed with Autolengue. There wasn't a single witness at this hearing. There were four witnesses there, and everyone agreed with him. Now, I, I want you to hear this very disquieting as you're going to be listening more and more and more to concerns about what exactly will happen now that uh, Iran is uh, threatening to take action against us. Uh, this is the following that you're going to hear is from Dr. Emmanuel Ortolenge, and he said this. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks have also increasingly cooperated with violent drug cartels and criminal syndicates, often with the assistance of local corrupt political elites. Cooperation includes the laundering of drug money, arranging multi-ton shipments of cocaine to the United States and Europe, and directly distributing and selling illicit substances to distant markets. Proceeds from these activities finance Hezbollah's arms procurement, its terror activities overseas, its hold on Lebanon's political system, and its efforts both in Lebanon and overseas to keep Shia's communities loyal to its cause and complicit in its endeavors. Now, I want you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to read to you. Again, this is continuing his prepared testimony for that hearing about Iran's international terrorist reach. This toxic crime terror nexus, that is to say Hezbollah with the drug traffickers and human traffickers, this toxic crime terror nexus is fueling both the rising threat of global jihadism and the collapse of law and order across Latin America that is helping to drive drugs and people northward into the United States. Think of the caravans, okay? It is sustaining Hezbollah's growing financial needs. It is helping Iran and Hezbollah consolidate a local constituency in multiple countries across Latin America. It is thus facilitating their efforts to build safe havens for terrorists and a continent-wide terror infrastructure that they could use to strike U.S. targets. Could it be any clearer? Could it be any clearer? And let's not forget that during the around the time that um, Obama was running for re-election, our uh, agents were able to thwart a plot concocted by Soleimani to kill the Saudi ambassador at a restaurant in Washington, D.C., certainly inside the United States. They are here. They are here. They are operating within our borders. They've found people with photographs. They were scoping out locations to be hit. Now, we know who we caught. What we don't know is who we didn't catch. You know, we don't know what we don't know, and that includes people. So we caught some terrorists, but Peter King, who chaired that subcommittee on counterterrorism, he just announced his retirement, said that there were believed to be hundreds of sleeper agents in the United States. Well, they haven't arrested hundreds. They've arrested a handful. Think about what a couple did in San Bernardino, California. Think about what the Tsarnaev brothers did up in, in Massachusetts. 
This is asymmetrical warfare. You don't need thousands of soldiers. You just need a handful of terrorists who can plant bombs or otherwise kill lots of people being as creative as they want to be. And they are very creative, and they're very committed, and they're willing to sacrifice their own lives to achieve their goals. It's one thing when, a, when someone carries out a crime and they need an escape route. Terrorists who are on suicide missions need no escape route. They don't expect to survive the attack. That's what makes it so daunting to protect against them. And yet, we've given people driver's licenses in our country, and they have no reliable way to prove their identities, to prove who they are, when they came here, what their backgrounds are. I've said it once, I'll say it again. We have no fly list, but there's no no such thing as a no-drive list. So with all the concerns that we're hearing about the potential that Iran might launch a terror attack inside the United States, more than likely that terrorist will have a driver's license under a fake name, will have gamed the immigration system because the system is only a system in name, not in reality. We have no resources to figure out who we're giving green cards to citizenship to. Faisal Shahzad, the Times Square bomber, was a naturalized citizen, got naturalized less than a year before he set off a car bomb in Times Square back in 2010. And of course, back then, Ray Kelly was New York City Police Commissioner, bright guy. He'd been the Commissioner of United States Customs. He's not a dummy. He was also a member of the U.S. Marine Corps. But he described Faisal Shahzad in a newspaper interview as being a classic example of a homegrown terrorist. That's the way you get people to not realize that that's not the case. That was a lie. I met Ray Kelly. He's a nice guy. Nice guy. But to call Faisal Shahzad a native-born, homegrown? No. The guy was born in Pakistan and came here as a 20-year-old on a student visa. How does that make him homegrown? But that's the way that the politicians expect their chiefs of police and police commissioners will do their bidding. People say to me, well, these police commissioners say that they don't want to work with ICE. No. They're told that they don't want to work by, uh, with ICE by the mayors who employ them. Understand something. Chiefs of police, police commissioners, whatever their title is in their particular town, serve at the pleasure of the mayor or governor. If they piss off the politician, they are out of a job. They are the ventriloquist dummy sitting on the politician's knee spewing whatever words the politician wants to come out of that person's mouth. And they know where they get their authority from and where they get their paycheck from. They are beholden to the politician. Final point, uh, I work terrorism investigations. I work narcotics cases. I spent half my 30 years with the Drug Task Force, four years with Unified Intelligence Division of DEA. One of the key things that I brought to the table was my authority as an immigration agent to cultivate informants and cooperating witnesses because we could provide lawful status, temporary status, employment authorization to illegal aliens who helped us. My friends at the FBI and DEA and ATF all said that they had much bigger budgets, but only we had that authority, and it was a much greater incentive than the money that they could provide illegal aliens. So when you hear this nonsense that people won't cooperate with law enforcement if they're here illegally, that's a lie. 
In fact, if they came forward, we could help them. And if these people, these politicians, were really concerned about the illegal aliens, then they ought to be telling them, look, we'll, we'll take you over to immigration and we'll work it out so that you can get permission to stay here and work legally. If not permanently for a temporary period, then you can go home, but you'll have your money and everyone's happy, and you can help us get bad guys off the street. And if you really hit a home run for us, you can get yourself a green card. You can bring your entire family here. We've done that. It's a provision in the law, the S visas. Uh, in fact, I testified to Sheila Jackson Lee about that. So understand, what you've been getting spoon-fed are nothing but lies. And now the, the potential for a terror attack has become higher because our military acted and had to act. This guy didn't go to Iraq for a vacation. He was there planning to take out more facilities. Imagine if Osama bin Laden had been killed before 9-11. That's why I think that what the president did was exactly right. He had no choice. They were there meeting his goal, apparently, and I'm sure they have uh, surveillance and other information, other intel that may never see light of day, and that's fine with me. Because no one's arguing that Soleimani wasn't a bad guy. This guy was a scourge. This guy was a blight. This guy was a human virus. His whole thing was killing and torturing innocent people. They're dancing in the streets in Baghdad tonight because this guy was taken out. He was their nightmare. He was the thug on the block. But because we did what had to be done, Iran may retaliate. And we've literally and figuratively left the doors wide open for them. It's funny because the uh, terrorists of 9-11, one of their suitcases didn't make it onto the airplane. Those suitcases were found and in, in one of the suitcases, I believe it was Mohammed Atta, probably about how Mohammed Atta and another one of the 9-11 hijackers, Marwan al-Shehi, were granted permission to go to flight school six months after the attacks. That's how screwed up we are. But one of the things was a prayer that said to Allah, please open all doors and all venues for us. Open all doors. Well, our borders are wide open and sanctuary cities are creating a nightmare for everybody from coast to coast and border to border. Uh, this has to stop. Someone has got to be able to step up and say this is enough. Someone needs to be made accountable. People are losing their lives to gangs and drugs, and now the very real threat that there could be a terror attack. I'm not being an alarmist. I'm just being a realist. How in the world do you defend a country when you have millions of people inside your borders and you're clueless as to who they are or why they're here? How do you protect your house against burglars if you leave your doors and windows open and you go away for a vacation? Unbelievable situation. If, God forbid, something does happen, there'll be a very clear nexus between sanctuaries, policies, driver's licenses, and a failure to enforce immigration laws. Because, as I keep saying, immigration has become a delivery system. And both parties are in on this gag. And that's why they're pushing back so vociferously and so forcefully against Donald Trump. That's why when even the, both houses were controlled by the Republicans, Trump couldn't get the money for the wall. But more than the wall, we need many more ICE agents. And that's what you should be demanding of your elected representatives. And you should be demanding an end to sanctuary policies. This is a dangerous situation. And it's our so-called political representatives who have created it for us. As always, I thank you for listening. Uh, if you find the information helpful, please pass it along to as many people as you can. Let's have an honest conversation based on facts 
and based on truth. And remember, there's only one version of the truth. But most important, folks, please make it your New Year's resolution to get involved because democracy is not a spectator sport. Have a great weekend, everybody. See you next week. And check out my podcast at Team DML.